The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. A number of months ago, or a number of years ago, I had the privilege, we came to church on a Sunday morning and part of our leadership team, we, the decision was made that we were going to go whitewater rafting. Yes, what I said as everybody was laughing, I was like, you know, growing up on Long Island, I thought to myself, I'm like, you know, I, I love, you know, the, the water. I mean, I grew up around it. I like swimming. I, I just, you know, love spending time. And, you know, so I thought, hey, how bad could white water rafting be, right? You know, I, I even went rafting a few times. I got on a boat and I went down and, and we ended up, um, you know, it was nice, passive. So I thought as a leadership outing or getaway would be no problem at all. You know, it's just, I can handle this. I like being in the water. So uh, we went, we left after Sunday service. We drove down, down the windy roads of West Virginia until we got to uh, our site, which was uh, New River Gorge, uh, West Virginia. And while we were there, um, you know, the leadership team, we we're actually in our white church van that was here. We we're driving down there and and, you know, I was kind of nervous but excited. And then, you know, we went Sunday. You know, the worst thing you could do before you go whitewater rafting is go out and eat pizza late at night. So we stopped. After those windy roads down West Virginia, we got to this pizza place. And we were, tra- we were all hungry. We were trying to think of where to eat. And they had, like, these all, like, these specialty pizzas. So, you know, I had the great idea to eat this, like, uh, you know, garlic and mushroom pizza the night before, and it was like cloves of garlic on the pizza. I mean, it was, yeah. So uh, the next morning, bright and early, we get up as a team, and I'm thinking, all right, what a great leadership opportunity to get together, and we're going to go white water rafting. And, and we get there, and I wasn't feeling too well that, that evening, that morning. And um, so we got there, and I'm thinking, I see the river. And uh, we met with the guides, and the guides were telling us how the river was ablo- uh, at flood stage because the snow had melted, and the water was extremely cold, so we had to wear wetsuits. And I'm thinking to myself, right off the bat. And I'm like, this isn't what I was picturing. You know, as I'm looking at the, my other team members as, that were going on this trip, I'm thinking, we're all getting into wetsuits. We're getting on this raft. We're going to start going down this river. And so, needless to say, wasn't feeling that great as we were going to go against the elements. I got in the boat. And our guide, just to give us a heads up, he gave us some, you know, preemptive warnings. He's like, you know, you might see some snakes along the rocks because it's been cold and they might be sunbathing on the rocks. And then he's like, he gives us, you know, you could die on this trip, so just just make sure you're paying attention, you follow the rules and all this stuff. So I get in and he's giving, coaching us even in this. He says, when you're sitting in the boat, you need to wedge your feet in the, the, the rubber tube in front of you and you lean off the side of the boat. So you're literally leaning off this as you're paddling just so that you don't end up losing your balance and slipping in. So as we start getting on the river, we start going down the river, he starts giving us some warnings. And he says to us, on top of those directions, he says, okay, what would seem natural to you is that if you fall out of the boat, and right off the bat, he keeps on saying, if you fall out of the boat, so in my mind, I'm going, what do you mean if I fall? I'm not falling out of the boat. <laughs> you know, meanwhile, I'm looking at my other team members and family members and people that are close to me that are on that boat, on the part of the leadership team, and we're floating. And I'm just picturing in my head people falling out of the boat and people sinking 
And the river, and oh, by the way, I, I had to let you know this part. Now, not only was it a flood stage, but it was, uh, they sent additional guides in the boats just to save us if we fell in. I'm thinking this is a leadership bonding time. <laughs> so we're floating down, he starts coaching on, on how to, what we should do. So he says, if you fall in, he goes, what seems natural to you is to do what? Swim to the shore. I mean, I, I would think, hey, you know, if, if I fall in, I want to get to the river. I want to get to land. So he says, if, if that happens and you fall in, do not swim towards the shore or the land. And I'm going, what? Why? He goes, because the current is so strong that there's a high probability you're not going to make it and you can drown. So the Latino in me, the protective person, I'm going, I'm like my radar, I'm like my nerves skyrocketed. Pastor Chris laughing at this because he says I turn like five shades of white. <laughs> I was like, oh, so yeah. Um, so we're hitting the first rapid. So he's saying this and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, what, what do you mean? Okay, so we're going down and as you can see in our picture, these were rapids. You know, this, is, this isn't like going down like a small, quiet river, which I was kind of picturing, you know. And um, so we start on our first rapid, and we start heading down there. And I start saying, so he says, don't, swing on, don't swim to the shore. He says, if we're, just allow the current to take you a little bit, but try to get back in the boat as soon as possible. So I'm thinking, all right. So we start going down there, and he's like, all right, all together. So everyone's, or you have to, there are directions on how you're supposed to paddle. You know, you all have to paddle the same way, and he's giving directions and coaching. So as we're going, we hit our first rapid, the first of like 11 to 13 rapids, okay, first one. So we start down the rapids, we're going down there, and next thing you know, there was like a three-foot drop. Now, this is what I was reminded, because at the time, I wasn't thinking, but the boat went down. Next thing you know, my friend Doug, who's sitting right in front of me, whose, whose wife just had a baby, okay, bear with me here. We hit that rapid. Next thing you know, we're all, everyone's kind of screaming and laughing at the same time. And you see Doug fly over my head and land in the water. <laughs> and, and, and then, you know, now I'm really pat. I'm like, Doug, I'm reaching, I'm reaching out with the paddle. And he's trying to, and he's, he goes down once, up, down once, up. And I'm thinking, the dude's going to drown on our first rapid. So I reach out the paddle, and, and eventually he kind of, he came to it, and he reached out and grabbed the paddle and get out back in. Needless to say, my nerves were off the chart. So as Pastor Kurt said, anytime the, our, our guide gave a direction, I magnified the direction. I wanted to make sure everyone knew, because in my mind, I just wanted to hear, see the end of the trip. My favorite, right after that, he gave direction for our next rap, and he said, this one's called the meat grinder. Really? Really? He's like, and in that point, he said the same thing. He said, you're going to think the best thing is to swim to the rock that's right in the center of the river and try to get on that rock until you can, he said, swim to the boat, swim to the boat. Because he says what happens is that people will try to swim towards a rock and then they get swept, swept under the rock from the current. See, you know, the current is something that we're kind of challenged with in society and even as a church, as believers, as within our families, we're, we're challenged to go with the flow. 
You ever hear that? We're just like, you know, don't make waves. One of the real, one of the classic statements I remember growing up, and I was the first person to come to know the Lord in my family. And I remember hearing the statement, you know, there's one, there's a few things you don't talk about with family. You don't talk about politics. You don't talk about religion. And those are the two hot topics. It's like, just don't bring it up. Just keep it. It's better not to. And as I started growing up and I started, and as I was thinking about this and I was prepping for this message, I started thinking to myself, I'm like, why is it that we compromise so much? Why is it as believers we have a tendency of just, we just want to go with the flow. We just want it to be peaceful. We don't want to, you know, some, sometimes we compromise because we, we acquiesce to the court of public opinion. So the, the public opinion says one thing, so we end up saying, well, you know, some, I'm just not going to cause any waves. I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to keep to myself. I'm not going to. Sometimes we compromise our beliefs or our core beliefs and, and our values because, well, we don't want to hurt. We, we start thinking, well, I don't want to offend someone. And we come to a place of, before you know it, the things that we should stand up for, we don't because we just want to go with the flow. We just want to, we don't want to cause waves. And even within the church, if we've been a believer in Jesus Christ for some time, the thought pattern is what? We should be humble, quiet, and don't cause waves. But is that really what is biblical? Is that really what God has called us to be? For some of us, we... For, for some of us, compromise is just what, everything we've always known. It's part of surviving. It's part of existing. So we just compromise just because it's what we've known since we've grown up. That any time things got tough or any time we had to challenge someone with an opinion, we just we were like, no, I remember what happened when I did that one, that one time. So we just back off. But what we don't realize is that when we go with the flow and we don't take a stand within our faith, that what ends up happening is that going with the flow can sometimes lead to our destruction. And if we look at it within our society today, we say going with the flow is, can, can be a, a, a mirror image sometimes of the sin and the world that we live in. Because how many times do we acquiesce or we sub, submit to, or even with, as, we're, as parents and adults, we model things to our kids, how many times we're confronted with a situation such as pornography or language within our home or so that kind of stuff, and we, we choose not to engage the topic because we're like, oh, I'm not, I don't feel real comfortable talking about these things. So needless to say, our core values of who we believe, of what we believe in as Jesus followers ends up being put off to the side. And guess what? There is a sin current in our world that's really willing to teach our young people and even influence our lives and lead us down to a path of destruction. So we look at our passage for today, and let's turn in our Bibles to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1, we come to a point... In the third year that Jehoiakim was king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar came to Jerusalem. His army surrounded the city and attacked it. Nebuchadnezzar was king of Babylonia. The Lord handed Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, over to him. Nebuchadnezzar also took some of the articles from God's temple 
he carried them off to the temple of his God in Babylonia. He put them among the treasures of his God. After multiple warnings, Israel fell under Babylonian captivity. And you say, multiple warnings. See, here's the thing. God would choose prophets to speak to his people. So God chose a prophet Isaiah. Isaiah spoke and prophesied to the nation of Israel and said, hey, correct your ways, change your ways, stop going with the flow because you are sinning and your, your judgment will come upon you. The nation of Israel did what? They just went with the flow. They continued to reject God, continue to allow sin to influence their world, and at the same time accepting the cultures that were surrounding them. So they continued to do that. So Isaiah the prophet came and spoke. Micah spoke to the nation of Israel and prophesied, said, change your ways, turn back to God. And the people didn't. Jeremiah the prophet, the weeping prophet, spoke to the people of Israel and said, change your ways. And they didn't. So we come to our passage here with Daniel. The Babylonians came in. Nebuchadnezzar, we're familiar with the story, came in. And we look at a little bit of historical break, breakdown. We see that the people of Israel were taken into captivity. They were taken into captivity. We use that term captivity in many ways. They were made servants and they were made slaves and servants to the Babylonians. Imagine that today. A people group taken captivity. So everything that they believed was now turned upside down. The freedoms that they had to worship God and serve God the way they did, the way they were supposed to, now got turned upside down because there was an oppressive people group that now held them captive. And they were forced to change their ways. As we're looking at our passage of scripture, let's look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 3 through 5. The king of Babylon gave Ashpenaz an order. Ashpenaz was a chief of Nebuchadnezzar's court officials. The king told him to bring in some of the Israelites. He wanted nobles and men from the royal family. I mean, think about, I, when I was reading this, it didn't really stand out to me until this point. I'm like, do you imagine being royalty or nobility in a people group? And all of a sudden now, your captor chooses the, the, high, the, the nobility, those, and they say, now you have to serve us. Do you ever think about how humiliating, how degrading that must have been at that moment? To be a high-ranking administrator now, guess what? Now you're a servant to your captive. Kind of stood out to me as I was reading that. But here is what Nebuchadnezzar was looking for. They had to be able to learn anything. They had to be well-educated. They had to have the ability to understand new things quickly and easily. The king wanted men who could serve in his place. Ashpenaz was supposed to teach them the Babylonian language and writing. The king had his servants give them food and wine from his own table. They received a certain amount every day. The young men had to be trained for three years. 
After that, they could begin to serve the king. The chief of the officials gave them new names. He gave Daniel the name Belshazzar. He gave Hananiah the name Shadrach. He gave Mishael the name Meshach. And he gave Azariah the name Abednego. As our story unfolds, they had to be quick learners. Now think about this, as I just shared in the opening statement. The flow was leading in one way. They were now slaves and captives under the Babylonian captivity. Not only that, but they were, the nobility were now chosen to be servants to their new king. There's one or two things that could have happened there naturally. They could have stood up and said, I refuse to do this. Thus, their lives could have been taken. But they were put in this circumstance and situation. They're chosen, and as this servant of Nebuchadnezzar goes out and he chooses, think about the, the, the humbling part of this. Your names are changed. You're no longer Daniel, now you're Belshazzar. You ever think about that? They had to be, they had to have a certain amount of qualities, quick learners. They had to be able to learn anything. They had to be able to look a certain way. And all these things were put on them. What a time of, what a humbling time for Daniel. What a time for the nation of Israel. What a judgment that had come upon them because of their disobedience, because they choose to reject God's reaching out. They chose to ignore the prophet's words. They just continue to live and go with the current and go with the flow of things, not realizing that they were living in contradiction against God's heart and his passion for them. These young people had to follow the orders of others. But why was Daniel and his three friends different? You ever think about that? While many of their even, I, I mean, I tried to picture because it was these four that chose to stand up and not go with the flow. There were many others, maybe even their own friends, that chose to submit this, themselves to the Babylonian direction. But these four stood out. They were willing to stand up and say, you know something? I'm going to go against the flow on this. I'm going to take a stand. So they go to our story as it unfolds. They went to their guard, and, they, and the scriptures tell us that as they went to the guard, they asked them, as we look at our next passage in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8, Daniel decided not to make himself unclean by eating the king's food and drinking his wine. He has been asked, he, so he asked the chief official for favor. He wanted permission to not to make himself unclean with the king's food and wine. God had caused the official to be kind and friendly to Daniel. See, many times we go with the flow because we don't, and we, so we look at this passage, we look at the history of the nation of Israel, Daniel's story, and we say, well, you know, he was in a difficult situation as a slave and a captive, yet he chose to stand up and represent God. So how does that relate to you and me today? Because we live in a free society. 
But it, think about this. When we take a stand in our places of employment, when we take a stand with our, in our jobs or in our, in our places of employment, in our jobs, if we take our stand with our family or even within our neighborhoods, we take a stand for our faith, what ends up happening is many times we're viewed as radical. We're viewed as fanatics. We're used to, oh, you're those Jesus followers. Oh, you're just that good person because you love Jesus. Or sometimes even looked down upon. So how does it relate? It relates in many ways. And we see it within our society on a consistent basis. But we look at this step. Many times we're afraid to stand up for the truth because we're afraid of that court of public opinion. We're afraid of the way people will view us, and we allow fear to dictate how we, how we represent God. But my friends, that's no different than the nation of Israel did. So how many times did the nation, God reached out in love, God reached out in compassion, and they would reject through their actions, through their thoughts, they rejected God's love and God's plan and God's design for them, and they just went with the flow. We live in a day today where we, like Daniel, we can learn a lot from Daniel. See, Daniel had to come to a place of he saw the fear. And you say, Pastor, well, what was the fear? The fear was simply this. The fear was that his life could have been taken at any time. Both, both um, Daniel's, Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, their lives could be taken at any time. But they chose to speak up for truth. They went to the guard and notice this in this passage. Follow with me in this. He says this. So he asked the chief official for favor. He wanted permission not to make himself unclean with the, king, with the king's food. God had caused the official to be kind and friendly to Daniel. Key point, something to underline that we sometimes miss is that God had caused Daniel to have favor. We forget that God is moving in what in the spiritual and the things we don't see. The spirit of the Lord abides with us and in us, the Bible says. So even though in the physical realm we might not see change, we might see that mountain or that cliff in front of us. Guess what? If we take a stand for truth and we take a stand for God, God can be transforming things in, in, in the in the um God could be making things happen in the back that we may not even realize. Because God is enthroned, and he is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. And just like in Daniel's time, and Daniel gave, and, and, and oh, I get excited over this, guys. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just like in Daniel's time, there was a place where the opposition seemed so great, but God was moving in the, in the back scenes. He was changing, and he caused favor through that person who was really, and I found it so interesting in that, play, in that passage. The big idea, my friends, is simply this, is that we have to come to a place as believers in Jesus Christ. We have to come to a place that we fight the flow for an audience of one, that we realize it doesn't matter what the opposition is in front of us. It doesn't matter what the political situation is in front of us. It doesn't matter what the diagnosis is in front of us, that God is greater than that circumstance and situation that we're confronted with. It doesn't matter how big the mountain may seem. It doesn't matter how big the obstacle may seem. God is greater than that situation. People may oppress us. People may speak down to us. People may call us names, but God is greater than those circumstances and situations. And if we fight that 
and submit ourselves to that audience of one and we submit ourselves to God, God can be and will be our victor, and he will give us favor in that circumstance. Notice this, Daniel and his three friends were not removed from the situation. See, there are times that we want to sit back and we just say, why God, can't it just change tomorrow? Can't this just, just remove that diagnosis tomorrow? Can he do that? Yes. God, just move that mountain tomorrow. But I tell you this, it takes more faith to believe on a daily basis that God can do the miraculous than if it just disappeared tomorrow. You say, well, how is that true, Pastor Dave? Well, I'll give you this. Um, You ever give your kid a new toy? You ever give them a new toy? They say, oh, I want this, Mom, Dad. You know, I want this new Xbox One. You know, you're like, so you go out and you sacrifice. They don't know how much it costs you. You just go out and buy it. And you know, it was hundreds of dollars. See, they, they said it one day and you gave it to me. Say, here you go, Lisa, here we go. Here's your Xbox One. She gets it. She plays with it for about a week or two and then says, eh, I'm kind of bored with it. And just now it just sits and gathers dust. See, she really wanted it. She got it. But did she earn it? No. But there's something that happens, though, if when that little one says, you know, I want it, and they start investing, and they start, they start putting their money aside, and they believe, and they believe, and it may take them a month, it may take them six months, it may take them a year, but finally, they're able to get it, and do they value it more? Yes. See, God knows our hearts God realizes that in the reality is that opposition will come before us. Jesus himself said this, and it was a powerful statement. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have challenges. In this world, there will be obstacles. But Jesus did say this. He said, take heart because I have overcome what? The world. See, because going with the flow is so much easier. Going with the flow and just saying, you know something, I, this is my diagnosis, this is my obstacle, this is my thorn in the flesh, I just got to carry this my whole life. That, yes, we can say that, but there takes more to go against the flow for an audience of one and say, God, you know something, that might be my obstacle, but that does not define who I am. I am, I am your child. I'm a child of the living God, and there's no God greater than you. And even though this might be an obstacle, my faith tells me I can overcome that obstacle in Jesus' name. There has to come a place. Come on, folks. We got to get excited about this because there's a dying world. There's a dying world that is yearning, and they're just going with the flow. I was talking to my son this morning. He was driving into church. He said this. We were talking about this. He said simply that, you know, just because we say we're a Christian, you know, many times we say, you know, as believers, we're just like, well, I accepted Jesus. long, But then we just go with the flow. We allow sin into our lives, and we're like, oh, it's okay. I accepted Jesus. I'm good. But we don't realize that, that, that there's a problem. It's just no different than the problem that Daniel and, 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 the, and his friends had to go through. The problem is that we accept Jesus, but then we start believing a lie. We just start going with the flow of things. Meanwhile, the boat's right next to us, and, and someone's reaching out and saying, get on the boat. Come on. Come on. Get on the boat. And we're going, oh, I'll get in the boat in time. <laughs> I'm going to keep on flowing down there. But see, sin is an issue. And you see, let me get my dead fish up there. It's kind of it's gross, isn't it? 
But see, this is the issue. The issue is that we allow, as I was talking to my son this morning, it's like, why is it that we just go with the flow? We allow, you know, we know the truth of who Jesus is. We know that he can transform our lives. He, we know these things, but we allow this sin. We start, we start allowing our, our thought life, our actions, our words to lead us down a path to destruction. And before we know it, we're a mess. Before I know it, we're empty inside. The zeal and passion that we had to live for Jesus is, is kind of there, but it's, we just, there's something not right. We say, Pastor Dave, well, you know, you don't know the story. You don't know my story. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know how I was hurt by this pastor. Or, or I took a stand for God once and, and it just failed. Or I asked God to help me in this situation and this, was, this is, and I felt like he wasn't there. The problem is, my friends, is that when we allow, when we just go with the flow, and we just, and we say, well, <laughs> when we say, well, you know something, this brother's doing it, and it's okay with them, so it's okay for me. So if they want to think this way and talk that way, well, they're doing it, so I can do it too. And we just go with the flow, and we allow this poison. So God speaks truth, and we just allow fear to enter our hearts. We allow worry and, and stress and all these things. And we just, you know, we're keeping up with the Joneses. We're trying to, we allow all this sin into our life and it just becomes sin. And similar to the nation of Israel, God reaches out and he says, turn to me. Reject your ways. Turn to me. Your life feels like a mess now, but I can turn it around. Your life may feel overwhelming to you, but I can transform it. And he reaches out and he reaches out before we get to the place of that dead fish and leading to destruction. And he wants to bring rivers of living water, rivers of life into us if we're willing just to say, God, I don't want to play this game anymore. God, I don't want to be like the nation of Israel. I want to live for you and encounter you on a daily basis. But there's something we have to do in our free will. We have to believe that God can do it. We need to believe that God can clean up the mess that's in your and my life. We need to believe that if we take a stand like Daniel did, it may feel like almost a life-threatening stand that we say, I'm going to go against the flow to believe God is greater than my diagnosis, my finances, my health, whatever the situation and story may be. God is greater, and if I submit to that and I humbly say, God, have your way, he will transform it. But we have to believe that he can do it. How many times are we confronted with a health situation? We go, well, the doctor said, I'm, this is my situation. And the first thing that happens in our spirit, our faith goes where? It tanks. Because we, we know the flow. <laughs> the story says, well, if you get this diagnosis, this is the outcome. Or if we turn around and say, yeah, you know, that's what the doctor said, but God. And we allow faith to drive us. Because sin's desire and sin's passion is simply this, that we would be bankrupt and dead. And it's not just a physical death, but it's an eternal death. The point of sin is simply this, that we would be separated from God for all eternity. You know, when we start thinking about that, similar to the people of Israel, we should be where? We should be an altar. <laughs> We should be like, God, out of your way. But we get caught up. We get, we get separated. We choose not to go against the flow. See, 
To fight the flow, we need to live for an audience of one. Daniel 1.8 simply made that decision. He said Daniel decided not to make himself unclean by eating the king's food and drinking his wine. So he asked the chief official for a favor. He wanted permission not to make himself unclean with the king's food, and that's what he did. He found the courage to say, with God, I can do this. With God, I could be radical. With God, I could be vigilant. With God, I can overcome. And we can learn from Daniel today that Daniel resisted the culture of his day. He was able to stand up and say, even though this is what the king demands, I could humbly ask for God to transform a situation, and, he, and, that's, and God gave him favor. See, because it didn't end with... It didn't end with, um, with the official, with the chief official. It went to the king. And God gave Daniel favor because of his faith. And let's just read this one part here with me. Daniel chapter 1, verse 12. Daniel said to him, please test us for, for 10 days. Give us nothing to eat but vegetables to eat and give us only water to drink. Then compare us with the young men who are eating the king's food. See how we work. After that, do what you want to do. So the guard agreed. He tested them for 10 days. After the 10 days, they looked healthy and well-fed. In fact, they looked better than any other of the young men who ate the king's food. So the guard didn't require Daniel and his friends to eat the special food or drink the wine. He gave the vegetables gave them vegetables instead. The three years the king had set for the training ended. So the chief official brought them to Nebuchadnezzar. And the, hear this passage, my friends. The king talked with them. He didn't find anyone equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, or Azariah. So they began to serve the king. In verse 20, such a powerful passage, he asked them for advice in matters that required wisdom and understanding. He always found their answers to be the best. In fact, the men were 10 times better than anyone in his kingdom who claimed to get knowledge by using magic. See, my friends, to fight the flow, we need to be loyal to an audience of one. It's easy, my friends, to be loyal when the, when the chips are, when, the, when things are going good. It's easy to be loyal when there's no mountains in front of us and there's just smooth sailing. But in the journey of life, we realize Jesus' powerful words that in this world you will have trouble. But my friends, we don't have to stay there. We don't allow, we don't have to camp out on the word trouble. He said, take heart, for I have overcome the world. And if he has overcome the world and his spirit abides with us and in us, then guess what, my friends? We also can overcome this world now on this earth and for all eternity. And there's a dying world that's just going with the flow. And maybe it's in our own family. Maybe it's in our jobs. Oh, Dave, you know, you can't talk about faith in your job. Can we be like Daniel and take a stand and say, you know something, I'm going to live out my faith in word and action. Let all my coworkers know I love Jesus. But guess what? When we do that, just like with Daniel, everyone's going to keep an eye on it, and they're going to want us to mess up. 
But that's okay, because I don't live in fear. I live by faith. Amen? Can our marketplace be a place of faith? Can our communities be transformed when we take a stand? See, here's the thing. There's a verse as we wrap up that says this. And this is something that God spoke to me many years ago, and it just kind of resounds, is that when we humble ourselves before God, guess what happens? He lifts us up. When we humble ourselves before God and say that we're not perfect, we're not right, we need God. He transforms us internally, and it transforms our world outside of us. It gives us favor. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, well, Pastor Dave, the chips are down for me. The mountain's too great. The waterfall, I don't even know how to get to the top of this waterfall. (laughs) And I feel overwhelmed. And I feel like I can't, you don't understand. And you know something? I may not understand the situation, but I tell you this, that I know one who does. For when you were in your mother's womb, he knew you. He knew your name. He knew your journey. He knew what he he valued you so much that no matter what the situation, no matter the good choices we've made and the bad choices we've made, he values us and loves us so passionately that he will raise people up. He will bring people into our surroundings just so that we will get to know him again. Don't be defined by the trouble. Fight the flow and be loyal to God. Daniel, in Daniel 6, turned back and he prayed. When people came against him and the situation got dire, he prayed. In Daniel chapter 10, powerful verse, it says this. He, was, he was, had a vision, and in the vision, God said this, and the spoken word went like this. He said, you are highly esteemed because you humbled yourself before God. Daniel teaches us today a path to God's favor. It may not change our circumstances tomorrow, but it will transform our lives. When we learn to humble ourselves, we learn to pray and say, God, it doesn't matter what anybody, it doesn't matter who's sitting next to me, it doesn't matter who's around me, it doesn't matter my situation. God, I need you now. Imagine with me today, my friends, if we stopped living in fear, stopped living with the trouble, and we said, God, I want to overcome from this moment forward, and I need you. I need your favor. Imagine what life would look like. If you're here today and you never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, I tell you this, that He loves you. He's known you from the day you were conceived. He's known you, your journey of life. He's known your good decisions, your bad decisions. And today can be a day of transformation for you. There's a prayer team that's going to be here to my left. They would love to pray with you. There is an area up here that if you want to just bow down, you can pray at your seat. But there's an area where you can take a step of faith out and say, God, I want to know what it means to know you. For when you make a decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's a day of celebration. It's a day of saying, you know something, I'm no longer going to live a life that's defeated, but I'm going to go against the flow and become who God wants me to be. 
So if that's you today, I want to encourage you to take that step and meet with the prayer team and just let them pray and love on you and encourage you. If you're here today and you've lost your zeal, you've just been going with the flow, you've allowed actions and thoughts to come into your mind, you've been living a way that you know is not right, but similar to the nation of Israel, you've just kind of been like, well, you know, it's everyone's doing it. But the Holy Spirit keeps on saying, turn, change your ways. Don't continue down that path. If that's you today, I encourage you to make a step today and say, God, enough is enough. Help me live for you. Help me be courageous and fight the flow and live for you. Live for an audience of one. And if that's you today as we worship, may that be your heart cry. May that be your prayer that you no longer want to live for the world, but you want to live for an audience of one, loyal to an audience of one, that he would be glorified both on this earth and for all eternity. And if that's you today, as we worship, let's stand before God. Let's give him everything we have and let's let him know that he is our audience today. He is the only one that needs to hear, that needs to hear our heart today. Let's give him our heart today. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.